welcome back once again to Tales from the Teacher's Lounge. I'm your host, Lauren Morris. This week, we welcome Rob Alassani. He began improvising in 2006, taking classes at the UCB in New York. Soon after, he chose to become a corporate cog for a while. Fear not, though, because upon throwing off the shackles of corporate life, he returned to the improv world in 2013, where he moved back to his home in Philly. He's been improvising like his life depended upon it since. He is a member of the Philly Improv House team, Outside Voices, for two and a half years. He's one of the hosts of the popular live late-night talk show, Too Late, with Rob and Joe, along with his best friend and fellow comedian, Joe Tuzzi. He is currently a writer and performer on The Worst Generation, Fit's very first digital sketch house team. He has been coaching independent and improv team since the spring of 2014, and he was recently added as a faculty member to Philly Improv Theater Training Center. He works as a corporate communications consultant for the Delaware River Port Authority, where he uses the tenets of long-form improvisation to help their management team improve internal communication practices. He has a cat who is constantly plotting against him. He is too verbose. The great thing about this episode is that I got to catch Rob right before he started to teach. So we got to hear about his coaching experience and idea for coaching, also his hopes and dreams for teaching. And people who have Rob as a teacher are probably some of the luckiest people out there. He's a great guy. It was a great interview. I hope you enjoy it. And once again, thank you for listening to Tales from the Teacher's Lounge. You to become a teacher. God, um, I don't know if I had a uh, inspirational moment that popped up. Um, I was asked to coach. Uh, and I was asked pretty early on in my uh, resurgence back into improv. Um, I started doing improv 11 years ago at the UCB. I went through um, levels one, two, and three, and then my career got in the way for the better part of a decade. And I was told, I was working marketing and television, and was told that I couldn't uh, do both. I, they, they literally were like, you, we can't guarantee that you'll get out of here at 7 p.m. every Thursday for eight weeks straight to go to your class. So unfortunately, um, we don't think you should... They, they were like, you can sign up for the class, and if you can, go for it, but we, like, you might need to stay. So I said, sure, and I didn't sign up for that level four class uh, back in like 2006, and, uh, and it took me uh, a good long while, uh, and giving up that career, um, to find my way back into improv. So when I got back into improv back in, um, back in uh, 2013, I kind of jumped in feet first, like, all right. I guess that's how you jump into things. Um, well, you but, could go uh, ahead first. You could. I, I probably did. But I belly flopped back into improv <laughs> is what I did. Um, and I uh, was in Philadelphia. And I took a level one. And then the middle level two, I was cast on a house team. And I started doing that. And um, that was with Outside Voices at Fit. Uh, and the spring, so like eight months after that, I was approached by a team. And they said, hey, we, we like what you do on stage. We'd love are you available to coach? And I was like, I talked to some of my friends that uh, were coaching in the city, and I was like, how do I know if I'm ready? And they're like, you're, you, you, you know because like, you are uniquely qualified to show people how you do what you do. And if they are looking to emulate what you do, you are uniquely qualified to teach that. You just need to figure out how you do what you do because it's, you know, it, it, it's subconscious to us. 
Um, we just go out there and, and do it. Um, so it kind of like retroactively found a method to to try and and and, and help people emulate my style. And in the beginning, that was all I, I had. I, I, I had the knowledge that someone wanted me to coach them. And um, I'm 40 years sober, and I and I and I uh, I attribute I, I I kind of liken it to sponsorship in 12-step recovery, where a lot of times what they'll say in in the rooms of 12-step uh, recovery is, you know, you're ready to sponsor when someone asks you to sponsor. You don't advertise. You kind of like say, you might put yourself out there that like. I'm available to sponsor, but you don't know you're ready until someone asks. And that's how I thought about coaching improv, where I talk to my friends and they're like, yeah, just come up with some exercises that you think you do and just, you'll learn as you go. And maybe that's not everyone's story, and I certainly don't represent any official theater's position on coaching or teaching, but this is, I'll just share my experience. Um, I was asked to, uh, I was asked to coach a team, uh, they were called Vishvelda. Uh, and they were my first team ever, and uh, I just kind of learned as I went, like what worked. You know, that was that was going to be my next question for you. Is that um, once so once you did they have did they have a clear vision of what they wanted, or were they were like, hey, come coaches and figure that out? So they what they wanted was to keep improvising together. Okay. They had met in a class, and so I think what they wanted was reps and someone to someone that they saw improv that they liked to help them just focus their energy into where they thought you know it was best put so um when they approached me and and this is still kind of the way i i I approach uh new teams that i take on um i just kind of see what they've got and see where their um see where their assets are and see where their, um, see where their deficiencies are. Um, if there can even be those kind of things in, in, in a weird art form like this. Um, and I, and we kind of have talks like, what are your goals as a team? Is your goal as a team to get better at improv? Okay. Is your goal as a team to, uh, you like a certain form that you've seen and you want to be taught how to do that form. Cool. Uh, is your goal as a team to, um, to be to invent your own form and find your own voice or, or retrofit another form to kind of um, to suit your your uh, your strong points as a team and I kind of try to take all that into consideration and then um, and then guide as I guide as I can and is uh, and, and it is appropriate to do so like if they if they just want to coach that's different to me than they want a director. Right. And that is kind of a, at least in Philly, that's that's a bit of this gray area. Like, as a director, if teams want me to be that, then I'm like, here's where I think we should go, and I'm going to take you in that direction. As a coach, it's like, you tell me where you want to go, and I'll take you as far as I can, um, and we'll either keep evolving together, or we'll come to a point where, um, like, hey, this has been fun, but I don't think I have much more that I can give you. I'm not going to keep taking your money just to take it. Um, I recommend these per- these people, or I can't recommend anybody in particular, but I can recommend you find someone who is more is more um, adept at the area that you're trying to focus on. Between that experience and where you are now, how has your philosophy changed, or your approach, or has it? Oh, it definitely has. Um, I'm just a huge sponge uh, when it comes to this art form, and. Um, I am very susceptible to 
maybe not as much as in the very, very beginning where it was just like the, the last person I talked to was my new, the last guru that I talked to or read a book by, now that was my thing. I remember like reading Truth and Comedy and it was like, you know, whatever, <laughs> that book's a very, uh, a wonderful book, but uh, I remember just being like, yeah, yes and, and, and treat each other like artists, poets, and geniuses, and, 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 and I was just taking a, con a lot of these, um, just like catchphrases, and, and like that was my philosophy, and then I read... You were one platitude yeah, after another. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> uh, which is a lot like 12-step uh, recovery, um, and I remember reading uh, Improvise by McNapier, and then I was like, oh, take care of yourself first, and this, I've never taken a class at, at The Annoyance, and literally just picking and choosing what I wanted out of that, and now that's my, that's my flag that I'm planting in the ground and, and marching behind. Um, and, you know, learning from Fit, we, Fit uh, and, and the Philly improv scene, and again, I'm speaking just as my experience as a, um, taking the classes, uh, it was kind of this, like, cool melting pot of different schools' philosophy, so there's relationship-based stuff, there's game, there's there's a little plot. There's there's all sorts of stuff that kind of goes into our philosophy. And I don't necessarily know that as a city we've found our uh, our tentpole style other than it is a melting pot because we're so close to New York and a ton of people go and study in Chicago and a ton of people come from other places. So um, it is this kind of cool hodgepodge. Um, what was the question? Your philosophy, how it's changed. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> from, um, from today. Um, yeah, I think what I'm most influenced by now was the two intensives that I took at I.O. Uh, this past summer with the advanced intensive and the summer before that with the normal five-week intensive. And what really gets uh, my improv jollies right now is just like really grounded in um, even if it's an absurd reality, grounded in a reality and making the next, the next right decision in the scene, which is for me just what was the last thing that was said to me? How can I react honestly and emotionally to that? I don't care if I'm a, a, a robot, uh, robot lizard on Mars. Like, how would that robot lizard honestly react in this situation? And if it's to destroy a small town, that's fine. Um, the the idea that the relationship is what the scene is about it's it's two people affecting one another um that was you know matt higby at, at, out in io drove that point uh, across so so hard that i left the first io intensive feeling like i don't know how to do this at all like i remember going into it thinking you know i had, I had been on a house team for a year and a half and I, I had been coaching for a little while and, and um i was trained to become an instructor and i got there and i was just like do i know how to do this at all, I made me question everything, and now my philosophy is, is is very, I think, very in line with that school of thought. Where the relationship is the thing, the the scene is about the, the the two people in it and how they affect each other. The answer is always in your scene partner's eyes and connecting with your scene partner. I don't care how absurd the situation you find yourself in is, if you're not making that connection, the scene's just about stuff, and that's what I rail against with coaching now it's just don't make it about stuff stop talking about stuff it's it's ultimately boring and will probably do undue conflict and and it's 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 tedium to kind of go through for me i, I realize it's just one person's philosophy but that's how i've evolved to where i am now who knows in five ten years where right. what i'll be into super premise and, <laughs> right and that's all and you need to be very clever with your premises uh wit and clever above all else um yeah. Yeah, exactly <laughs> when you just said that um 
you are also training to be a teacher. Yes. Uh, so, so did FIT have a specific training program for teachers? So they, um, they're, and again, I'm speaking just of my experience. Uh, I, uh, FIT had a, for a little while, um, kind of an unofficial checklist that you, that they wanted to see. And I think it's a pretty common thing. They wanted, obviously for you to complete the curriculum that that's there. Um, uh, they wanted you to have independent coaching experience within the city. So they knew that you had some experience being in front of people and uh, disseminating knowledge, uh, or at least experience. And they wanted, it was about, it was, it was preferred that you had experience in another theater outside of, of their curriculum. And also that, um, you had been on a house team for a year. I think, maybe did I say that already? You had to be on a house team for a year, had to independently coach, finish the curriculum, and and have uh, experience in another theater. Um, if you had that and you've expressed interest in becoming an instructor, they would, um, you should uh, have shadowed, they'll, they'll, uh, when it's kind of your turn, because there's a lot of people in Philly that want to do it, they'll have you shadow a, um, whatever class you're looking at teaching, you start at 101. So you chat at a 101, and throughout that time, you'd go from being very kind of a silent observer in the beginning of the class to towards the end, kind of almost co-teaching, and then maybe towards the end of the class, helming a whole a whole class session yourself. And then you're put on the schedule, and uh, and you, you, you well, get your first one. Okay, so but before you get to that, so when you get toward the end of the shadowing experience, mm-hmm. and then you're going ahead and you're sort of like helming your first class kind of thing, mm-hmm. do you and the teacher then meet to go over oh, notes yeah. for you? Right, okay. Absolutely. So, <coughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah, and like there's a point towards the end of the 101 where um, students will be given individual notes, and, 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 and here's where we see your... Um, your your surplus of, of, of resources and here's where we see your deficiencies and kind of and, and so and you frame that as a challenge here's what, here's what you're doing great and here's what we're going to challenge you to to work on going forward and that was the session where I, myself and the teacher that I was um, the, the instructor that I was shadowing we kind of got together and talked about each individual student kind of my assessment of where their skill set was and where their challenges were and um, so it's definitely um, taking a, an analytical and, and pedagogical look at um, at each student's needs. As the object is, you don't, you don't want to ever tell somebody, unless it's something beyond the pale, that like you can't continue doing this. Both from a business standpoint and an artistic standpoint, you don't want to, in, in an in a art form that is so built on support and kind of um, like big tent, uh, you want people to feel like there's a place for them in the community because we're a bunch of weirdos that, that all band together because we're all weird. Right. Um, so, and, and in the class I was with, no one was, no one was uh, overtly uh, problematic that they weren't passed through, but occasionally that comes up where it's like, you, you need to re- you, you haven't gotten the basic, um, it's very few and far between, but certain people, if you haven't gotten the basic stuff that you, the absolute bare bones that you need to kind of uh, check off to say that you've successfully taken this class, then you might have to take the class again. So let's talk about that for a second because I think, uh, I mean, we're talking about now metrics and assessing mm-hmm. students, and we're also talking about a subjective art form. Sure. But yeah. with, with the curriculum you have, mm-hmm. um, are you, um, so some people have 
are very clear rubrics, and some people are just like, oh, we just make sure that they're getting agreement in yes and. Um, so I, I can speak to it a little bit. Not I, I haven't taught a class yet. I'm my first class, my first one on one is filling up now, and I'll start in January. Um, so I'm not even sure that there is kind of a a hard and fast, at least for one-on-ones, a hard and fast checklist. But I, I think it's probably somewhere around where you were saying, like, are you constantly denying reality that's set up? Is it, is it one of those situations where, like, Dad, can you hand me the milk? What are you talking about? We're on a spaceship and you're my wife, you know? If you're, if you're constantly that person that just at all costs needs to have the scene be about what you want it to be about, then, like, yeah, you have got, you have missed a clear... Um, tenant of improv and also we and if you're if you're there and we've done our absolute best to get you through that because everyone does that in the early on in in 101s and everyone's like thrown when something happens that they don't want and they try to steer it back in the direction that they think it's going and um i think if you if you can't get that very very basic stuff if you can't just treat somebody else like like you want to, like if you can't apply the golden rule to improv, you're gonna have trouble doing improv, and and like it doesn't really behoove people to, it doesn't behoove me as a coach certainly to keep taking your money. I'll speaking speaking independently as a coach, if I'm with a team that just doesn't seem to want to absorb anything that I'm doing is making the same nothing is not course correcting at all, then then I'm going to take it upon myself to realize I'm probably not the right coach for you. Right. My, my message is not getting through and it would be, um, it, it would, it would violate the, uh, the Hippocratic oath of improv, improv teachers to, to keep taking your money. So, um, let's talk about, cause I, you know, like you said, coaching mm-hmm. versus directing versus sure. teaching, right? So yeah. with coaching, um, the team's, probably have a dynamic together already. They probably know each other. So how do you handle, have you come across, like, do you find when you're coaching teams that, like, some sort of also power dynamic is created or there's, like, clearly one or two people are trying to push one agenda and and have you ever had to mediate that? And what is that like? I consider whether I'm directing or coaching. Any time where, uh, I think think the difference between teaching for me and directing and coaching directing and coaching deal with the group the group as a whole teaching is more dealing with the individual yes i'm trying to build this class up to being able to do a decent class show so they can leave it and their parents thought they were great and you know the parents are going to think they're great no matter what but but with coaching and directing i am trying to take a team of individuals make them a cohesive unit and achieving a goal together whether that's just to get better and they're just trying to get reps in it's a practice group and a coaching and practice group or it's a team with a group goal of doing a specific form or or getting accepted to a festival or whatever their goal is i am taking the group and trying to make it work better together and i think when certain things pop up and individuals maybe there's one or two people on the team that uh that have a goal that's different than the others. Maybe maybe a couple people are, like, they're lifers. They took the one-on-one and they're just, this is it. They're hook, line, and sinker into this. And then there's a few people that, oh, this is their fun little hobby that they have on the weekends. Um, I think that's mostly what breaks teams up is, number one thing that breaks teams up from is resentment. Somebody says something, it's left unsaid, and it's never brought to the coaches or director's attention to kind of mediate and smooth things out. Um, uh or they bypass the coach or director entirely and 
know each other. And I, like, first day of any brand new team I'm in, I'm like, under no circumstances while we are working together are you guys to know each other uh, How, in like, a non-positive way. Like, if you're like, man, that was great. I, I felt so supportive. Obviously, that's totally fine. Because, you know, like, improvisers also, though, love, <laughs> like, even after notes, like, even my team, like, I, I'm in a, for my team, I'm in a per- terrible position of both being the coach and the player, oh, which yeah. I don't recommend. It's super tough. It's super tough. Super tough. We, we get an outside coach from time to time just to come in because yeah. we all know how much we mm-hmm. all hate it. But each, so we'll give some notes. I'll give some notes. But even when we go out, and we're not being whatever, but we still will dissect scenes because we like to dissect sure. scenes. Yeah, and teams will do that. Right. So, but I don't. I don't love it when my other teams do that, though, oh, because it will lead down a road that they're not ready to do yet. It's so – I always say it's like it's – improv, improv, in my experience, um, to its to – its, uh, the great and terrible thing about it is that it is so um, – yeah, this is hard to phrase. It's, it's so welcoming that – you, everyone is made to feel so comfortable so quickly that certain things can be allowed, and I think were being allowed for a long time. Like this whole concept of yes and, where it's like you have to agree to this, and 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 then there's a lot of people saying like, and that's it's not just for on the scene, that's for life. When life makes you an offer, you say yes and to it, you add to it. It's like, yeah, but what happens if like uh, somebody makes a terrible offer in the in the improv community, and it's super inappropriate, and and you feel like. Um, I have to say yes to this because I'll be ostracized from the community. Like, it doesn't happen all that often, but when it does, man, it, like, look what's happened around the country. Um, it's, it can be this really um, poisonous atmosphere sometimes where someone feels unsafe to say no. Um, so I think, and maybe we're getting off on a real broad topic here, but I think it's very important to let your teams, when you're a coach, and even if you're even if you're a player coach, know that like there has to be some avenue to bring up honest concerns. And I'm not talking about concerns like you are in my scene, and I wanted my scene to go this yeah, way. Uh, yeah, it's not like I I uh, you made you know, why did you make that decision? You knew we were this, and and I wanted to go this direction. No, I'm talking about like. Um, I'm talking about bigger things like this person constantly makes me feel uncomfortable in scenes. Uh, very early on in both um, in in both an instructing and in a coaching directing place, we make people know that um, you don't have to do anything. You you are com- you have complete autonomy over what you do in these. Uh, I love it in the, uh, the new Will Hines book. Um, there's a whole thing called you don't have to be picked up, you don't have to be lifted, something like that. And you never, like, I don't care what you, if you're not comfortable with doing it and you're not comfortable for a reason other than, um, like, it's not like, oh, I don't like doing character voices, so I'm not comfortable playing a pirate. Um, it's, it's different, like, different, we're, right, you know? pushing you out of your comfort zone yeah. to explore new avenues versus, like, I have a legit fear of height and a bad back. I would sure. like to not yeah, be yeah, lifted. I would, yeah, please. I, I don't like to be lifted. Um, I'm not comfortable with this team yet to be, like, making out on stage. Some teams who have been together for years and the players, like, are each other's best friends and they know each other like the back of their hands. Yeah. Maybe you're going to make out with a scene partner. Um, but it's, it should never be a thing where there's a question whether or not both, both sides are <laughs> consent's very important in improv. Right. Just like life. Right. Um, and I think to get back to what we were talking about before. Yeah. There, there's sometimes, I think a lot of times, um, 
people need to know that it's the role of a coach is really for me both to help the team get to where they want to go and also be the 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 neutral arbiter of what is is and is not acceptable so that people know that they have a safe person they can go to that has zero um, con- conflict of interest, which is why the player coaching is such a hard role to play. And you know that if I'm coming to you with a concern about a player, even if it's just like, hey, I always feel bulldozed by this person in a scene, or um, a- more often than not, it's we like to blame ourselves. So more often than not, so it's like I always feel like when I'm in, a, I-, I always feel like when I'm in a scene with this person, um, I feel like I'm not giving them enough, or I'm not, you know. And I'm like, well, if it's always in a scene with this person, let's look at both sides and. And we'll address it at a group level in a safe place where it can be um, kind of exercised and, and hopefully smoothed out. Because I think giving each other notes, get, teammates giving each other notes um, can be a huge point of contention. Um, and someone just holding on to resentments and not telling it to anyone is also a huge place where a lot of teams just break up. And, and most, most indie teams break up. Like... Most indie teams last, I think, probably six months to a year. I was going to say, I thought I saw something about, like, the lifespan of any team uh-huh. is typically six to 18 months. Yeah, I think that's probably, yeah. you know, and, and you're in that, like, you're in that honeymoon period in the beginning where everybody just got out of what, oh, their 101 or 201 or 301 class, and they all loved each other so much they wanted to, they wanted to keep with this group. So they find a coach, and they work. And, and if you're me, I'm going to have you working – for a long time before we get to what kind of form you're doing, what's your opening. Uh, can you, my big question is why would you care about any of that if you can't do a two-person scene that like can hold hold its own? Um, so I'm gonna have I, I like to have my teams practicing like four to six months, uh, like like a while before they hit the stage. And sometimes it's a little less if they're like, oh man, this team just out of the gate. Like I, I I'm working with a team right now that. I was just like, man, you guys met in a one-on-one and constantly are, I, 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 I feel lucky to work with all the teams I'm with, but this team was like easy in that very quickly they were like, let's make it about each other. Let's, let's, let's embrace the relationship of this. Let's, let's re- like respond like a person instead of come up with whatever inventive, um, uh, absurd thing we can to just inject weird energy. Um, and like every time I was like, man, you guys are, crushing it right out of the gate and they they i they asked a little earlier than normal teams hey can we book a performance and i'm like yeah i wouldn't be i don't want to put you in a situation where you're going to out of the gate feel terrible because i think that can do um that can do a lot of damage to a team's overall morale there are those who say like no they should be performing and, and that's this is a totally fine philosophy they should be performing early and often and just get in there almost like the stand-up mm-hmm philosophy of like get out there and hit a bunch of open mics early and fail and fail and fail spectacularly and I think there's something to that but I do think as a coach it is my responsibility to let the team know when I believe that hey you guys are you guys are ready to like book some indie shows around the city or um and I think that you'll go out and be proud of what you're going to do um that's not to say that they have to listen to me you know they can they can do whatever they want uh as a director I would be a little bit more like no no we're not booking because you've taken me on as more of a leadership than a support role. Um, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, so in the role of, or even in coach, I mean, coaching, it's more of a group decision, but mm-hmm. in directing, have you <clears throat> kicked people off the teams, asked them to leave? I've had, I've never personally been like, guys, we're, 
this person can no longer be on the team for X, Y, and Z. There have been times where somebody will come up, usually a group of people outside have um, come up and said, hey, this person uh, is doing X, Y, and Z. We're not quite sure what to do. And, and honestly, in my experience, and, and I haven't been doing this as long as I'm, you know, I've seen some of the other people you've had on the podcast, Ooh, you know, decades more experience than I've had. In my experience, it's usually a thing with um, just commitment. That's been the number one thing. I've never had to kick somebody off for like um, content or, or being inappropriate or, or, or really, really sketchy stuff like that. It's usually like, hey, this person makes one out of every four practices and has, has really, uh, you know, we're, we are on this path as a team of, of improvement. And if this person is only joining us on little pinpoints on that graph, um, we don't feel comfortable having them show up at the show. So, um, you know, if they're like, well, this person's got a job and it's ending and we got to take that into consideration. But usually I'm, I'm just there just like with their improv, I'm there to show them what they already kind of know and what they're capable of. If they're coming to me with that, they're asking for permission. They're asking okay. for me to say, yes, if you guys think that it's no longer a good idea because you guys are making all this progress and they're kind of behind because of their sporadic attendance, then like, yeah, it's totally reasonable, but hey, no hard feelings. Um, it's just the team's going in a direction and we need people, we want people to be on board that are as committed as we are. And it doesn't seem like you can fit that right now. Again, no hard feelings, but we're going to keep going and, and I think it's probably best if at this time you, you know, bow out. Maybe sometime later we can work on a different project or maybe a bit show that doesn't need all this commitment. But, um... Want to make in those cases where it's not a sketchy, inappropriate, problematic thing. Want to make sure that the person knows that like they're not they're not a bad person. We're not kicking you off because we don't like you or that we think you're not talented. We're 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 saying like let's just look at this for what it is. So the reality situation is you can't make the rehearsals that the rest of the team have committed to do. Um, even worse, like you can't make the rehearsals, but you always seem to be there for the shows, and um, and that has happened a few times. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's always ended in a, a relatively cordial way. I think sometimes there can be some, some saltiness just because... Sure, because it's human and yeah, it's ego yeah. and sure. people... But I think the sooner you get that out yeah. of the way, the more yeah. everybody can move forward yeah. and then they can find a team that's right for them Absolutely. or all those kind of things that go on. And the other thing that kind of sometimes pops up, at least in my experience, has been... You know, maybe some people on the indie team that you're coaching get cast on the house team at the theater, and it's always to me like, oh, that's when the clock starts ticking a little bit. Like, how much? Do, what? And then, then you find out what role this team was playing. Was this team, the indie team, you're on playing the role of you wanted experience, and this was your regular improv outside of class, or was this really you wanted to play with these people, and you feel like this has a unique experience that you can't get anywhere else? Because if it's the former, chances are that person's probably going to leave the team after a while. Because, like, you can get involved in the improv scene and it takes over your life pretty quick. And there's only so many hours in a day, so many days in a week. And, and, and I always try to uh, instill upon my teams that there's no harm. Like, if someone is coming to you and honestly saying, I have too much on my plate right now, and unfortunately the thing that I need to take off my plate is this, this indie team, I always try to say, like, Thank that person for being honest because string it's just like a relationship. Like just like showing up and half assing yeah, and doing along is, is just as damaging to a team. I also would welcome the person who is like, 
look, my end goal is a house team. Yeah. But I know I need experience. I'm going to do this. Yeah. But just know that the house team is my end sure. goal. And then when that does happen, you're not like, oh, oh my God, God that person left us. I have experienced, um, I have experienced that, with that, where that was a very hurtful thing for teams where, um, you know, there was kind of a little bit of an exodus when pe- when certain people got cast and then other people didn't. And, and uh, I think because it wasn't necessarily addressed ahead of time or maybe different people on the team had different ideas of what the end goal was, that it came as a big surprise. And... I really tried hard to, you know, teams, both indie and house, are going to come and go, but the relationships you build in this community are the things that last. So don't ruin a relationship because of one team. You're not going to be in that team forever. Um, it, it's nothing, it's just not important. Don't, don't, that's, that's what's so wonderful about this community is, like, it builds lifelong friends so quickly. It's why corporations come to improv uh, schools to give, uh, to give presentations because, and uh, for some reason, improv as an art form can take a group of strangers and make them best friends, lifelong friends in eight weeks, once a week. Or in the case of like, you can do it in five days if you do an intensive, it's something about this art form inherently can create lasting, fulfilling relationships. Um, yeah. I want to go back a little bit sure. to um, because I, I am in complete agreement about the atom- to me I, I describe it as the atomic level all improv is a two person scene oh yeah and if you can't do that oh, then yeah. you don't have right so I also am a big believer in like building habits so in classes um, <laughs> you know I will start my class the same way every time warm ups we have two of the same warm ups and then I introduce a new one because it's also like putting the brain in the sure. mindset of here I am for this. And then I always do, I always start with my one specific exercise for every class to warm up. Uh, because I think, cause it's a two person exercise and sure. it goes back to fundamentals, fundamentals, sure. fundamentals. So, uh, when you're setting up sessions mm-hmm. and stuff, do you have a pattern like that? Or do you, uh, I, in my first, uh, house team, I was, uh, it was, it was cemented, that I uh, start every practice with a stretch and share. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's super important. I can you, for our listeners who have never done stretch and share, sure. can you please share what that yeah, is? Yeah, so it's improv position one, which is a circle. Um, everyone's in a circle, and uh, it starts with the opposite end of the circle. One person stretches. They, they pick a stretch that everyone does, and the opposite end, one person shares, and you kind of just move around the circle clockwise. And the person, I always say, um, you know, the, the stretch should be something that, like, everyone should be able to do. Um, right not like, oh yeah, yeah, you have the yogi that's like in there with, and you're like, all right, I'm just going to touch my toes. Get out of here with your weird body. Um, now there's anything wrong with it. Uh, yogi good for great. you. I'm glad you're stretchy. Um, and then one for a person to share something preferably positive and preferably non-improv related that happened to them this week that the team doesn't already know. And what it does is it right from the top, we're connecting. We are bringing each other into our lives mm-hmm. and we're, um, we're we're getting rid of the parts that uh, we're, we're making each other more known to each other, which makes us more vulnerable to each other, which opens us up for this ability to connect in our scene work later. It's not just to waste time. Um, I've had some teams that have asked me, like, "Hey, you know, can we we spend a ton of time with each other? Can we just get to?" You know, the the and I'm usually pretty. Uh, you know, if I know that they are constantly hanging out outside this thing, yeah, it, it might not, it might not, um, um, 
serve too much of a purpose. But I always start with that. Um, I have a few warm-ups that I really go to uh, frequently. I love Mind Melt. I love it. I just, I love it. I don't know why. It's the, one of the most simplest things. Say the same thing or or three, two, one word. It's got a million names. But Convergence is how yeah, I learned it. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. And because um, it always, especially with a new team that hasn't played it too much, when they get it the first time, it just feels like a magic trick. And they're like, what the hell? <laughs> and they're just like jumping up and down. And, 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 it's, and it's wonderful. Um I love rhythm games that have rhythm. I'm, I'm a I'm a trained musician. That's what I went to school for. So I love anything that gets each other into a rhythm. Um, I've been known to bring a metronome sometime to practice, especially with things like samurai and stuff like that. I like for me like that is about getting into this like lockstep together and being of one mind. It's not necessarily the time to like Ooh, how let, how can we make samurai evolve? Like there's a place for that, but. For me, like those kind of timed exercises are about getting in line with each other and getting on the same page. Um, and I think I do think that um, usually tend to maybe not the same stuff every practice, but I'll I'll try to think of practices with my indie teams. Like here's kind of the area we're working on right now. We're working on character, or right now we're working on um, analogous second beat, something like that. And I'll, I'll plan like two or three practices in into the future where I know we're going to hit these things up rather than, you know, kind of regroup every single time where every practice seems like a whole new experience. I think it's hard to retain information that way. But a lot of this is just reps. It's like a sport where, you know, you want to, how do you get better at hitting a baseball? You go to a batting cage and you swing the bat a thousand times and, and do it over and over and over again. I think, um, if the nucleus of good improv is a two-person scene, which I believe it to be, you need to do a shit ton of two-person scenes. You need to, you need to do it and do it until you're like, God, can't we just talk about form? It's like, no, can't talk about form yet. <laughs> two-person scenes again, um, because I really think if you can look back at like the most amazing improv shows you've ever seen, um, probably what they all have in common is that their two-person scenes were on lock. Um, maybe they had an amazing form that just blew your mind, but I. I can almost guarantee you that if if they had an amazing form, um, it was it was uh, buffeted by by wonderful scene work. Because if the scene work's terrible and the form's great, like you left that show thinking it sucked. Yeah. And there's nothing there. That, yeah. Which is why I love. I think I think montages are great. I think um, I think just figuring out what the form is on the fly is wonderful. It's what Max and I are doing tonight. Uh, we don't know what we're going to perform. Uh, we. Um, that that to me is like true improv. It's like I don't even know what I don't even know what we're gonna do once we get the suggestion. I don't know what the next thing is. Um, that that's one of the things that blew my mind in Chicago was that like nobody decides what at least when with the intensity that we were doing, nobody was like, well, here's the opening we're gonna do for our Harold. It's like no 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 no. Uh, <laughs> we don't know what we're gonna do once we get the suggestion. It's gonna sort of happen. Whereas uh, my experience before that was. Oh, we do uh, we do Pillars of Light. We do the interview. We do uh, the documentary. We do the Armando. We do these like set openings that we're going to do every single time, which is totally fine, especially if you're doing premise. A lot of times that lends itself more to premise than organic. But being like truly free to just find this amorphous thing—that's where I am right now. In my improv development is I love not knowing what's happening next. As the the teacher in me though is sure, like. Sure. But you got to know the like Picasso says sure. you got to know your rules Absolutely. before you break your rules. Absolutely. So like Absolutely. I love all that shit as a player, mm-hmm. 
But I would look at some of my students oh, and yeah. be like, oh, no, no, but you're still doing this opening, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, you, can't, you can't bring, like, this, uh, you know, the amorphous, like, hippy-dippy, like, <laughs> real granola improv, Chicago deep dish style improv into a 101 uh, necessarily. It's, it's why the Herald's not, uh, you know, it's why you teach the teaching Herald first. The right. teaching Herald is this is the, your, your opening, three scenes, a group game, three scenes, group game, third right. Um And then... And I think a lot of people stop there with the Herald. Um, and they're, what I've learned in traveling and, and taking it to a bunch of different schools is, oh, my God, there's so much more. But that's why I love the Herald. And it's not stale to me because I realize it's, it is the set of rules that are made to be broken and then rediscovered and pushed back together in fun new ways. Right. <laughs> um, so what advice do you have for people who are thinking about being a coach or becoming mm-hmm. a teacher, mm-hmm. those kind of Sure. Yeah. I, to go back to what, um, what I was saying in the beginning, I think um, I've seen a lot of people advertise uh, advertise to be coaches um, where, and then they'll ask, like, how did you get your teams? And I was like, they asked me. I've never advertised. Um, well, how, how do they know to ask you? And I was like, well, they, uh, the way it happened is they saw, and that's however, ever, any coach I've ever hired, I didn't hire them because like, they had a great ad on Facebook, on the, on the local Facebook group. I watched what you did on stage, and I was like, holy shit, that person's a magician. I want them to teach me what they're doing. And I approached them, do you coach? Yes, here's my rate, here's da 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 um, and, and, and you work it out. Um, I, think, I think you do all your advertisement as a coach on the stage. Um, there's different, different teams like different styles. Some team wants a more thinky kind of like hang back and wait for the right moment to strike some 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 teams like a swashbuckling knife in their teeth pirate like me um, I'm learning uh, to be more versatile um, but my advice would be um, don't be shy about don't be shy about putting yourself out there that you're looking but don't be it's like um it's like if you want to date somebody like desperation's like the most the most offensive perfume don't be desperate um, and, and I really do think that there's some element of you will know you're ready when you're asked. Um, that's easy for me to say because that happened pretty early. And I know that the, I, I have friends that are like, man, I really want to coach. I have, I have an idea about what I want to teach. I have a philosophy about this. I really think, um, and they haven't been asked to coach. Maybe I, I've had some friends like just say, hey, I, I have this thing that I know I'm great at. I'm going to. I'm going to like find a place and rent it for two hours for 50 bucks. And, and for 10 bucks, you can come in 10 bucks a person. I'm going to cap it at 18 people. And I'm just going to run a workshop. Right. And, and I, I think that's totally fine. If you're being upfront about things and this is what we're going to cover. And it's a one-off workshop. Um, I think uh, if you want to coach and your city has a, a theater, make that known to your education director, because there's probably a, a set way that you become a teacher and a lot of people, uh, I think uh, it's important to also never advertise your coaching services to the class that you are teaching. That is a huge no-no. And it, and we have in Philly taken steps to definitely, uh, you know, we're, we're literally telling our classes, Hey, um, if you, if you want to, we completely support you, you making any team. Um, we, uh, not even suggest we like almost, we tell people like, yeah, pick a pick a teacher. Your teacher will be happy to recommend you um, other other great performers that are looking to looking to coach. Um, but it is it is 
it is not uh, seen, it's very much frowned upon to solicit your outside of class services, both from a business standpoint and an ethical standpoint. It's just, it's just gross. Um, I think just, I'm a big believer in put your, put what you want out to the universe. Um, tell your friends, like, hey, I'm looking to coach. I, I, you know, I think I have some fun ideas. Then tell your friends who coach that you're looking to coach. They'll go to you when they need a sub. That's what I do. I've had a lot of friends who now coach that, that like got some of their first licks as coach when I'm like, oh, I, I can't make it this week. Hey, can you come in and run? And I'll know that they're going to do something great with character or premise. And I'll be like, hey, just run, run two hours of premise with them. They're going to love it because you're amazing at that. So make your wishes known to the universe and to the people you care about and who care about you. And, and people help each other out in this. It's one of the great things about you know, Yeah, I love that too. Yeah. You ask and yeah, something will, like people God. step up and say yes. And yeah, everything. I know what, it's totally off topic, but a lot of ways that I've gotten to do shows is to go to people and just be like, hey, I really want to do this. I'm like, yeah. great, let's do it. And I'm yeah. like, oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't think you say like, yeah. yeah. Your friend's got a, your friend's got a great bit show that you love. Like tell them you love it and be like, hey, if you ever need somebody to come on play, whatever. Like I love this show and I'd love, love to be part of it. I host a, I host a, um, a late night talk show in Philadelphia that's been going on for about two and a half years now. We're actually done at the end of December. Um, but I've had people say, yeah, too late with Robin Joe with my, with my best friend, Joe Tizzy, who, um, is a great coach if you're listening in Philadelphia. Um, and so many people that, you know, they'll come and see it and they'll be like, oh man, I really put like a lot of work into this. And like, hey, if you need a stand up, I'm, uh, and that's how we book people. Like it's all word of mouth. That is the way this, and, and it's, it, it's why your reputation is so important because like, it does not take long to ruin it. If you, if you uh, do some unsavory stuff. Right. So like, that's the other thing I would say to people who want to coach. Um, don't be a gross idiot. Like, don't don't be gross because people very quickly um, like trust and believe that there is there are people that will spread the word if you are um, if you are a problematic like potentially dangerous person in the way you like if you're if you're always hitting on uh, if you're a guy and you're always hitting or if you're a girl and you're always hitting on, on people if you're a person and you're hitting on people that you coach. Um, it's probably noticed. Yeah, just and don't do it. it. Yeah, just don't do that. That's not a, that's not a thing you do. Of course, it's gonna. Of course, people are gonna date within the community. I, don't be a creep, whether you're a guy or a girl, or non-binary. Just don't be a creep, and and you'll do great. Just stop being a creep. Um, oh man, if I if I live to be a hundred, I will I will shout that from the, the rooftops. I think that's a great place to stop. Is like. Yes, don't, don't be, be a creep. creep. Don't be a creep, and you'll do fine. Just keep keep doing your thing. Find the people that you love, and do sh- and do dope shit with them. Awesome. And uh, whether you're a coach or a player or whatever, uh, yeah. Cool. Thank you. Thank you.